2021. I'd had a week of relative calm in my life. I was sitting on the front porch in my favorite rocking chair after a meal of delicious and hearty vegetable lasagna that Angela had made for the household. She was still inside clearing things up, but Peter and Evan were with me. There was only light and meaningless conversation flowing between us. It was wonderful, and I wanted it to last forever. Of course, it didn't. Megan's panicked phone call brought my world of bliss crashing in around us. She'd narrowly escaped being attacked by someone she was certain was an advanced zombie, and she'd gone into hiding as a result. The creature had been so bold as to waltz into her shop in broad daylight. I told her to stay put and then pulled Peter into the house with a pretext of having him help me rustle up a few nightcaps so that I could tell him about it. He was furious. To my surprise, he not only insisted that I telephone Max to come over, but he boldly informed Angela and Evan about it in front of me. The winds of change were blowing through my life like gales. We fixed the drinks while waiting for Max to arrive. I didn't know about the rest of them, but a little alcohol fortification would go a long way toward getting me through the night. I was on my second dry martini when Max pulled into the driveway. He was in his own private vehicle instead of the sheriff's car. I stepped off the porch to greet him. As his long legs slid out of his shiny black Tahoe pickup truck, I smiled. Once a farm boy, always a farm boy. The truck may have been recently washed and waxed, but its bed still showed signs of being used for all types of hauling from hay to firewood. The stories I'd heard about our big-hearted sheriff helping his fellow man with their chores were clearly true. Being a person who admired good Samaritans in all areas of life, I found this confirmation about him endearing. When he scowled at my hand that was holding the martini glass, I said in a lighthearted tone, I'm not getting drunk, I just needed something to settle my shattered nerves. It's been so quiet this last week that I guess I got my hopes up that the whole Jacob Tripp zombie thing was a bad dream. Peter walked up to join us just as I said that. He put his arm around my shoulder and kissed my cheek. You're fine, my love. Enjoy your martini while we decide what to do. We need to think fast, I said as I pulled the olive off the toothpick with my teeth. Megan sounded pretty freaked out. If Megan's freaked, then it's bad, Max mused. So you know what she is then, I said with surprise. I know that she's been involved with battling the zombie issue for as long as I can remember. Never so much as made a complaint, he replied. Other than that, I couldn't say. What do you mean by what she is? Since I knew that Peter was about to pull Angela and Evan into the mix and we were going to assist Megan, I felt it was only right that Max know the truth, or as much of the truth as I was allowed to tell him. So I spilled the beans about Megan being a 120-year-old practicing witch and waited for his reaction. He took it in a much calmer manner than I thought he would. I guess I should have expected it. After battling zombies, a witch probably seemed like the tooth fairy. What he didn't take well was the fact that my boarders were now a part of the zombie hunting team. I did my best to ease his fears of them getting hurt while I lamented over not being able to tell the truth about them being vampires. It would have made everything so much easier, but since I wasn't even supposed to be privy to that information, I couldn't very well share it with him. Angela was the first to ease his fears by explaining that she was actually a member of a worldwide secret group that was dedicated to ridding the world of zombies. She was one of their trained soldiers and had battled many a zombie in her day, as had Evan. She looked at me apologetically as she explained the necessity to hide behind the facade of being a traveling social worker and an author to allow them the freedom they needed to move around and disappear for days at a time while they hunted and took down the zombies. When Max asked what they did with the zombies once they took them down, 
he was surprised to learn that they didn't always deliver them to a funeral home for embalming followed by a burial. They explained that it was a case-by-case decision. If the zombie was a newbie like Jacob Tripp, then they would deliver it to the funeral home under the ruse of rescuing it from the body snatchers. They had a few officers of the law in their group who helped with that when needed. If the zombie wasn't of advanced nature and had long ago been reported dead, different measures for disposal were used. Most of the time, it involved a discreet cremation. When Max looked at me with a raised brow, I chugged the last of my martini. It just so happened that there was a cremation chamber in my morgue, although it sat dormant for years. I had no doubt it could be put into working order with minimal effort. Did I want to cremate zombies in my basement? No, but it was nice to know that the option was there if need be. Once again, the house provided me with a service that made up for its enormity and creepiness. I told them where Megan said she was hiding. Max knew its exact location and offered to have me ride with him. I accepted his invitation while Peter, Angela, and Evan piled into Evan's van. When I first saw Evan's cargo van that he'd converted into a travel van that allowed him to sleep in it when the need arose, I thought he was simply an eccentric author going on location to experience the feel of it. Now I knew that he used it not only to catch a few winks while on the hunt, but to transport their captives with privacy. Megan owned a cottage on a private lake about 30 minutes from Wolf Junction. Even though it had been in her family for centuries, few people knew of its existence. This was because her family used it as a safe house when need be. Not trusting that the evil zombie maker wouldn't know about it, she locked herself in the root cellar that was hidden beneath the bush. She doubted a zombie would be able to locate her there, even an advanced zombie. One of the things about zombies that stayed with them, no matter how much of their thinking and motor skills returned, was the fact that they had poor night vision, depth perception, and were colorblind. These factors went in her favor, since the opening to the root cellar was beneath a very realistic-looking shrub that was attached to the trapdoor. Its coloring varied from those it was amongst only by the slightest degree. Unless you ran your hand over it, you'd never guess it wasn't real. Combine that to the fact that it was nighttime, and she felt safe in her selection of hiding places. It took us longer than we'd like to find the bush and pull the door open. Megan urged us to enter quickly and close the door behind us. She couldn't take the chance of us being either seen by a zombie or through some type of magic-looking glass the wicked zombie maker might have access to, since there was no telling if it was a witch doing this or some other magical being. It was only when Peter whispered to her that zombies had a distinct odor that vampires were sensitive to, and he smelled nothing of that nature on her property that she relaxed. She greeted Angela and Evan with a smile, but didn't act the least surprised that they were with us. Once again, I felt like I was on the outside looking in. How much did I still not know about these people that I called my friends? Tell us exactly what happened, Max said as he pulled a stool from the corner of the 14-foot by 14-foot hideaway and sat down in front of Megan. It was crazy, she began. I was getting ready to close up shop when this tall, young-looking woman entered. She asked if I had any butter churns. I had one in the back corner of the store, so I pointed her in that direction. She went to the back of the store and whined about not being able to find it, so I hauled my old bones off the stool to go help her. At the same time, I heard the bell go off, indicating that someone else had entered. I thought it was unusual to have people coming into the shop at such a late hour when it wasn't tourist season. The locals all know that I close at four o'clock. 
Then it all happened like a whirlwind. I reached for the butter churn and picked it up to show to the woman who was in the next aisle. When I turned, I saw a young man join her, and the two of them nodded. I knew right then that they were conspiring, and my gut told me it wasn't to rob me. It was then that I had the presence of mind to look at their eyes. She looked directly at me. I don't know if you know it, dear, but zombies have distinctive eyes. It can be easily overlooked by the average person, but if you know what to look for, it's distinctive. What do you look for? I asked with interest. Their pupils are a bit large and slightly oval in shape, she explained before continuing with her story. Recognizing that they were advanced zombies, I knew that they were there to kill me. I also knew that I couldn't outrun them, not with these old limbs. What did you do? I asked when she hesitated. I added, we know you practice witchcraft. Did you use it to protect yourself? I did, she said, as she eyed everyone in the room to see their response. When no one looked surprised or upset, she continued, I caused a few sharp objects to come down on their sorry heads and shifted my appearance. Then I got out of there as fast as I could. So, are they dead in your store? I asked. Takes more than that to kill a zombie, my love, Peter said as he rubbed Megan's shoulders in an affectionate and comforting way that only a kind-hearted doctor would think to do. But it at least gave her the time she needed to get out of there. So... Are we after two advanced zombies? Evan asked in a quiet, matter-of-fact way. That's just it, Megan said with a shaky voice. I don't think it was just two of them that were after me. When I left my store, I saw a van that looked like it was brimming with zombies. At least a zombie was driving. I rushed into my car and sped off before they saw me, so I didn't get a chance to really see how many there were. I just know it was more than the two of them. For that many to be sent after me, something serious must be going down. Who else knows that you're a witch? Max asked. Only a handful of people, she said. I'm an old witch, so I have to hide not just my magic, but my age. We all know your age, Angela said with a gentle tone, so you don't need to hide it anymore. Megan heaved a sigh. That's a relief. My eyes and the eyes of my companions grew wide with wonder as we watched the person I'd instantly befriended transform from the decrepit old woman to a healthy and vitalized beauty who could easily be in her forties, fifties at the latest. I'd managed to wrap my brain of science around the fact that vampires and zombies existed because they were simply altered or mutated humans as a result of a virus or infection. Accepting that a person could shift from wrinkled and decrepit-looking to a healthy thing of beauty had my poor mind muddled and resistant. I knew it was magic of some sort, but it seemed so very real that it was unsettling. Even so, I managed to keep my demeanor calm and unfettered by doubts and confusion. Megan, I guessed you're lovely. Megan smiled and reached over to take my hand. As are you, my dear. Now, shall we figure out what to do about these pesky zombies so that I can go back to my shop and be the old woman we all know and love? I'm sorry, but I have to ask, I said hesitantly. Why would you want to carry off that look when you could be the way you are now? Megan laughed. I only look like that when I'm in the store or out in public to throw off the zombie makers. An old, decrepit woman would make one shitty zombie— I see now that they're just going to kill me instead of turning me. That changes the game some. I'd think you would also raise some questions from the locals who have been around long enough to expect you to look as old as you are in years. It might be difficult to explain you as you are now, Max mused. I ignored Max's perfectly logical comment and looked at Peter as I spoke to Megan. Wouldn't you rather just stay as you are now? Aren't you handicapped in that old woman disguise? Did you know that there's an antidote you can take to prevent you from becoming a zombie? 
I've heard tell, but I've yet to figure out the formula, she sighed. We have it, I said. I heard Angela and Evan gasp at my statement, but I didn't care. Or rather, Peter has it. I imagine Angela and Evan do, too. Vicky, Peter snapped. I don't know what got into me. Maybe it was the martinis that I'd guzzled that were finally hitting me, or maybe I was just in a state of panic as I listened to Megan's story in that very closed-in underground room and realized just how serious a situation I'd found myself in. Whatever the reason, I was on a roll and wasn't about to stop. You know you have it, Peter. You need to give it to Megan. I turned to Megan. He brought it back from Africa. It was used on him when he was infected, and he used it on me to keep me from being infected. They're after you, Megan gasped. Peter says they are, I said with a nod. Angela yanked at Peter's arm. How much did you tell her? He looked away. All of it. What? Angela and Evan said simultaneously. Angela turned to me. Did you willingly take the antidote? He told me after, I replied with a weak tone. In my zeal to help my friend, I'd opened a can of worms and was just now realizing things might get ugly as a result. She glowered at Peter and put her hands on her hips. And did he tell you that it could only be administered vaginally or anally, so he put it on a condom? When I nodded, she hissed, typical. How else can it be administered, I asked. It's a bit unpleasant because it burns, but it can be taken orally and absorbed through the membranes in the mouth, she spat. Then that would take all the fun away, wouldn't it, Peter? I could feel the blood drain from my head as I looked at Peter with dismay, hurt, and confusion. What is she trying to say? I needed to administer it, and I couldn't tell her just then. I had no idea how much she knew or how she'd take it, Peter said defensively. You know the rules, Peter. You're supposed to have their consent before you give that to them, she argued. They're after her. I couldn't chance it. Wait a minute, Max said with knitted brows. You used a condom to administer the antidote? He looked at me accusingly. So you two are having sex? I looked at Max with disbelief. With all that was happening, was he actually fussing about whether Peter and I were making it? Are you serious? I just... that. That after the other night, maybe you are taking it slow with him, that's all, Max said with a hurtful tone. Peter's face went scarlet. The other night? What's he talking about? I wanted to crawl behind something, anything, to hide me from the cellar full of eyes that were on me at that moment. One pair looked hurt, three pairs looked curious, and one pair of very deep blue ones actually had a hint of angry red in them. I took a deep breath and looked directly at Peter. It was before you. And anyway, from listening to Angela, I'd say you have some explaining about what you've done since we've gotten together that far exceeds anything I did beforehand. I've done nothing that I wouldn't do all over again, Peter insisted. Peter, Angela snarled, you need to tell her. I looked from Angela to Evan and then to Peter. Tell me what? If you don't tell her, I will, Angela said threateningly. Peter threw his hands in the air. Don't you think she's had enough dumped on her? Nothing's going to happen. There's no need for her to know. Not only could I not stand the suspense any longer, but we had Megan's very real problem to deal with. Someone needed to just tell me and get it over with, which is what I said in no uncertain terms. Peter, tell her, Angela bellowed as Peter turned his back on her. Oh, for crying out loud, Evan grumbled as he pushed his way in front of Peter. These two have a lover's history that's playing a huge role on how they're behaving now. We were never lovers, Peter interjected. 
But she wanted to be, Evan said before quickly returning to the topic. Don't mind them. This sort of flare-up happens occasionally. What Angie feels you should know, and Peter thinks he can get away with not telling you, is that if you happen to die within the next year, you'll become a vampire, like us. You're vampires? Max bellowed in disbelief as his hand flew to the butt of his pistol. I rushed to Max's side and placed my hand over his to prevent him from pulling his gun. No, Max, don't. You need to listen before you make a mistake. You're a vampire, he said as he backed an inch or two away from me. No, she isn't, Peter bellowed, and she won't be because nothing will happen to her. You don't know that, Angela hissed. I do, Megan interjected loudly, and among other things, I'm a seer. Nothing will happen to this girl, as long as you all keep your heads. She turned to look at me. Honey, I'm sorry if you feel you've been tricked or deceived by your man. I don't know him, but I can feel his love for you. I have no doubt that he did what he thought was best. I can see why he'd hesitate hitting you with all that's going on. You have to admit that it's a lot to take in at one time. I've been exposed to the zombie battle for over a century, and I still had to step back when I heard his story the other night. If you'd added the part about the antidote, you'd probably have to give me CPR. News of this nature can be overwhelming. I, for one, am glad it's being handed to me in doses so that I can process and digest things before a new wave from what seems like an ocean of supernatural information sweeps my way. She looked at Angela. Angie, you're a good girl and a dear friend, but I can feel the envy and jealousy permeating from your pores. Whether Vicky is in the picture or not, you are not for Peter. It will never be. You need to let it go. When she was finished addressing a very red-faced Angela, she turned to Peter. As for you, young man, she stopped a minute and chuckled before saying, I don't know if you're as young as you look since vampires are slow at aging, but I'm going to call you a young man anyway, because yours were the actions of a foolish young man in love. I think you need to put more faith and trust in your relationship with Vicky. She's an amazing woman who can handle far more than you've given her credit for. Finally, she turned to Max. Max, you're a good man in so many ways. I know that Vicky has feelings for you, but you move just a bit slow in acting, and Peter slipped in there. It's tough luck, but that's the way it is. Now, you're the head of the sheriff's department. That's an important position in itself. On top of that, you carry the heavy burden of not only knowing about the zombies, but being brave enough to hunt them down on your own. You are now in the company of experienced zombie hunters, who I'm sure not only know more about them than you do, but can offer an amazing amount of help. What do you say we forget about all this unrequited love and focus on the matter at hand? There's a load of zombies on the hunt for me. What do you plan on doing about it, Sheriff? 